Let's open our Bibles this morning to Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Let me say this morning, I'm thankful to be here with the survivors. Amen. And uh, of course, there is a lot of sickness going around right now. You look around and see somebody that ain't here. Don't gossip about them. Pray for them. Amen. And uh, so there's folks that uh, under the weather, myriad of different things going around, you pray for them. But I'm thankful that you're here today, and uh, I am excited about what God wants to do. Amen. Think about the fact that God would visit a little country church, somehow transplanted into the city here on Wall Ridge Road, and, uh, and would meet with us today. What an amazing God we serve. Amen. And let me say thank you to our visitors for being here. Hope you feel welcome here in the house of the Lord. And uh, we hope we can be a blessing to you today. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. And I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse number 1. The Word of God says, Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and keep His charge, and His statutes, and His judgments, and His commandments always. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children, which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, His greatness, His mighty hand, and His stretched out arm, and His miracles, and His acts which He did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all his land, and what He did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses, and to their chariots, how He made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day, and what He did unto you in the wilderness until ye came, into this place, and what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their households and their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land whither ye go to possess it and that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them into their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it, it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for, for the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. Let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning. What a blessing it is to be in your house. I pray for those that for myriad of reasons are unable to be here this morning, Lord. Those that are sick, I pray that you'd raise them up, give them help, uh, Lord. And I pray that you'd give them strength. And for those that, Lord, may be traveling at this time, I pray that you'd give them safe traveling mercies. Bring them back into this place once again. Lord, whatever the reason may be, we know that Your providential care uh, rests upon them. Lord, Your eye beholds them. and We know that we can commit them unto You. Lord, I pray also for those that are here today. I pray that their hearts would be open to the truth that's given. I pray that Your Holy Spirit would have liberty in their lives and in mine to work in us and that we would respond with an attitude of obedience, Lord, knowing that those of us that are born again, we're Your, we're your children. You're our Father, Lord, and You... Do what you do in our lives because you love us and care for us. Lord, just give us a right spirit this morning uh, to receive your word. And I pray that there be victories won today for the glory of Christ in our life. And we'll be sure to thank you for it. Lord, we love you and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. 
as we approach the book of Deuteronomy, we find ourselves at a transition moment for the children of Israel. You know a little bit about the history of the first five books of the Bible. You'll know that Moses, we believe, was the penman. We know the Holy Ghost was the author. Somebody say amen to that. But Moses was the penman that pinned down the first five books of the Bible. And the first four of them are uh, recorded uh, during their time in the wilderness. And they span events all the way from the creation of the world down to their current timeline and history. But the book of Deuteronomy is a repetition of the Old Testament law. In fact, that's what it means, Deuteronomy. It means to repeat the law, to repeat the commandments that were given. Just before the children of Israel entered into the land of Canaan, God commanded Moses to gather everybody around and to read again in their ears the law that He had given to them and the history of what they had experienced. And that's what the book of Deuteronomy is for us. As we read through this rather large book of the Bible, it's easy sometimes to get our mind off of the context. But what we really have when we approach this book is we have a group of people that are standing and they've got one land behind them and they've got another land in front of them. They've got one way of living behind them and they've got another way of living in front of them. They're standing at the boundary between the wilderness that they are leaving behind and the land of Canaan that they are entering into. And so it is a transitional moment in the history of the children of Israel. In fact, if you look at the two years that bookend these, and depending on what calendar you look at, I think we could pretty accurately say that it would have been the year 1452 B.C. into the year 1451 B.C. You'll find that 1452 was a sorrowful year for the children of Israel. People have often asked, I wonder what Moses did during his time in the wilderness. My pastor growing up had a pretty good and I believe accurate answer. You want to know what Moses did during his time in the wilderness? Funerals. That's what he did. He spent all of his time burying the older generation that had been of adulthood when they left the land of Egypt. And so really that 40 years, sad to say, was a long funeral march as they awaited the death of those that in disobedience to God had refused to go into the land of Canaan. So their life, day in and day out, would have been a life of funerals, a life of death, a life of sorrow, and a life of despair. And when we look particularly at this year, we could say three things about it that made it a sorrowful year for the children of Israel. One, it was the year that the last of the older generation that came out of Egypt as adults died. It would have been a time when some of the elders amongst them, some of those that had survived for most of that 40 years, finally succumbed to what God had said would happen and died. Can I say to you this morning, I'll go ahead and tell you what my sermon is and then I'll preach it. I feel like we are a people, not just by dint of the fact that it's early January, but also where we stand in our history as a nation. We're standing and there's a land behind us and there's a land in front of us and I believe we are living at the great upheaval of a transition time in our history as a nation. And we, in many ways, have lived a year while not exactly or maybe even to the degree what the children of Israel lived. Certainly I would say this, and I know I'll get an amen right here uh, if, uh, if Facebook is any indication. This is all people talking about on Facebook social media. I'd say everybody's about done with 2020, wouldn't you? It has been a sorrowful year. It has been a year of upheaval. It has been a year of confusion and a year of conflict 
And it's been a year when, sad to say, we have lost uh, a great many people. It was the year that the older generation died that came out of Egypt. Not only that, it was the year that Aaron had died. Aaron was in many ways their spiritual leader. And I understand the function that Moses served in their, in their congregation, in their, in their group of people there. But, uh, Aaron was the high priest. He was the one that took them and, and, and facilitated their approach unto God. Aaron has died in this year, been buried, and now his two sons have rose up in his stead. Not only that, but we find shortly after this is pinned down that this is also the year that Moses died. Moses, of course, died because of his disobedience unto God and smiting the rock a second time. And, and he was uh, buried away. He saw the land of Canaan from Mount Pisgah. That he was not permitted to go and enter into the land. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you'd been an Israelite at this time, you'd have been ready to be done with 1452 the way that we was ready to be done with 2020. You'd have been saying, man, I can't wait for this year to be over. Can I tell you something? There's some things that I'm sure are unique to 2020, uh, but suffering and sorrow and heartache are a way of existence in this life. I'm not saying there ain't things to look forward to in 2021, and I'm sure enough not saying there ain't things that we can look back on and praise God for in 2020. But I'm just saying, if you think that that calendar flipping over is some kind of magic formula, I'm sorry to tell you, but we're still living in the same broken world. It was a sorrowful year for them. But I would say this, when we look at their history, the year 1451 was an eventful year for them. There were some things that they left behind, but there were also some things that they experienced in that following year. The land behind them held some sorrow and heartache, but the land in front of them, it held some exciting things. For instance, they would begin this year, of course, in the wilderness. Joshua would become their leader. And in many ways, I think because the Bible is so voluminous and it's speaking about Moses, we disregard what a great leader Joshua was. The children of Israel thrived under the leadership of Joshua. They enjoyed more prosperity and more security and more victory under Joshua than they ever did under Moses. And this young man would rise to the place of leadership after the death of Moses. Not only that, they would cross the Jordan River and they would see the Jordan River miraculously parted before them. They would defeat the walled city of Jericho and they would see its walls miraculously fall down. Sad to say, but they would be defeated at Ai because of Achan's sin. However, they would go on to cleanse the camp and defeat the city of Ai. And they would go on to complete the first phase of their campaign to conquer Canaan. You say, preacher, what do you get that? I'm saying there was some bad behind them, but there was some good in front of them. I'm saying there was some good behind them, but there was some bad in front of them. And I'm saying in all of that, you know what we find? We find God to be faithful every step of the way. So when I read this passage of Scripture, and we come particularly down to verses 10 through 12, listen to what God says about the land behind them, the land before them, and about His own self. Verse 10, the Word of God says, For the land whither thou goest in to possess it, it is not as the land of Egypt from whence you came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it, it is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. So here's the thing I want to ask you this morning. We've got a land behind us. We've got a land in front of us. But are we willing to trust the Lord above us from January to December in front of us? If the Lord tarries His coming and one of these days we're going to say that and He won't. Somebody say amen to that. I'm looking forward to that day. I guess we shouldn't say if He tarries His coming because He said I will come and I will not tarry. But 
whenever the moment is that the Lord will return for the church, I, I do not know. But assuming if it wasn't to be in the next year, I would imagine that most of us, maybe not all, but most of us, will see both the beginning of the year and the end of the year of 2021. What can we anticipate as we approach this new year? Well, notice these three things with us this morning and then we'll be done. Notice the first thing God speaks of is the land behind us. And He makes an encouraging statement to us this morning. He says in verse 10, The land whither thou goest in to possess it, it is not as the land of Egypt from when she came out. Can I tell you what 2021 is not going to be? It's not going to be identical to 2020. I do not know what it may hold for us. But I do know this, if our perspective is whatever heartache or sorrow that we may have endured over this past year, we're just going to go and crawl in the bed and pull the blanket up over our head and ignore the world and try to hide away and sever our friendships, sever our relationships, get away from everybody. We're playing the fool if that's the approach we take. Because the truth is, you don't know what this next year holds. The one thing you do know is that life is in flux. It's changing all the time. And you can guarantee that whatever this past year has been, there may be new trials and, and challenges ahead. In fact, I guarantee there is. But 2021, it's not as the land that we left behind. What did the Lord mean by that? Well, there's a few things that strike my attention. First, when I think of the land of Egypt, I cannot help but remember the tribulations of Egypt. The children of Israel's time in Egypt was not a pleasant time. As soon as Joseph dies, uh, there arises a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph and he begins almost immediately to oppress the children of Israel. And the Bible tells us for 450 years they lived under oppression. They would not typically, you would think, have looked back in nostalgia on the land of Egypt. It was a time when they were driven by the whips of their masters. It was a time when they suffered deprivation and ostracization. It was a time when they were afflicted and oppressed on every hand. There were some bad things that happened to them in Egypt. And I say there's a lot of things as we look back over this calendar we wish we could just forget. I, I'd give anything, and I bet you'll agree with me this morning, if we could somehow go back to November 2019. Anybody want to do that? You ready to do that yet? You ready to get rid of everything that we've had to experience, everything we've had to endure? I know that if you had your way and if I had mine, if we could just wave a magic wand, if we could just say some kind of magic spell and make it all go away, then we'd love to be able to do that. But can I tell you something? The things that we've experienced, we've experienced. They're a part of us now. They're a part of what our life is. All we can do, listen, we can't jettison them. All we can do is look backwards and learn the lessons from them. I'd say he was talking about remembering the toils of Egypt as well as the tribulations. It's interesting what he says here. Uh, he says it was a land where you sowed it and you watered it with your feet. Now what did he mean by that? Uh, the land of Egypt being predominantly a desert land. And I know that the Nile uh, Basin is one of the most fertile places in the world. But as slaves, they were not permitted to have or to work the lush and, and profitable land. Instead, they were forced to scratch out a living in what desert land they made a home upon. And it was a place where the only way they could water the land is to go down and to gather water and to carry it bucket by bucket and pour it on the place they were trying to grow something. Boy, if there's ever a fit description for what 2020 felt like, I'd say that's it, isn't it? Didn't it feel like we was just living 2020 by the bucket full? <laughs> Didn't it feel like, you know, it was said before about World War One that it was a war of inches where they would fight for days and sometimes weeks just to claim a few inches of ground that they were trying to get. That's sort of what it felt like. I'm not trying to minimize the sacrifice folks that have actually fought and seen battle have gone through. But I'm saying, boy, didn't it feel like we was clawing our way through it? 
I heard a preacher say, and somebody I mentioned this the other day, and somebody asked me when this, uh, when this, uh, not, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the when you have a New Year's Eve service, watch night service. That's what I was looking for. Uh, but I heard a preacher back of this. This is probably November. He said, "You pray for us. We're getting ready to have a watch night service. We're just going to ring in the new year and just check out for the rest of 2020." Don't that sound pretty good? Uh, wouldn't it have been nice if we could have just checked out a little? You with me this morning? Visitors don't think it's how our church is. Normally they know how to worship. Somebody say amen to that. My soul. It would have been nice if we could have just checked out. Didn't it feel like we were scraping our way through? Didn't it feel like we were clawing our way through? Doesn't it even now sometimes feel like we're just kind of clawing and grasping, trying to get some back, uh, get back some sense of normalcy in front of us? It sort of feels like probably how they felt, where everything they wanted to accomplish, they had to fight tooth and toenail to accomplish it. Talks about their menial labor, the, the mundane, the miserable toiling that it required. But then it even talks about their meager returns. It says that it was like a garden of herbs, not like a big old pasture field or not like a big old, uh, you know, produce field that's producing massive amounts, but just like a little garden of herbs. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll look back over the difficult periods in our life and assume that nothing beneficial grew out of it. But you know, when I, when I look at this passage of Scripture, I think about the, the tribulation of Egypt. I remember the toil of Egypt. But I think we cannot help but read this and also remember there were some triumphs in Egypt as well. So what do you mean, preacher? Well, I'd say this. Their time in Egypt wasn't all bad. Uh, their time in Egypt was not all negative. Their time in Egypt was not all defeat. In fact, God sort of catalogs for some of the things that God had done there. And I would say this. When you read this passage of Scripture, when you look at what God's saying here, they they irrigated the ground just by the bucketful and everything was scraping and, and laboring and working and agonizing to get any little thing to grow. And I remind you, something did grow there. When you look back over this past year, you know what you'll find? It may have been harder than you wish it would have been. It may have, you, you may have suffered more than you wish you had suffered. You may have had to incur some things that you never signed up for. But you know what you'll find if you look back over this year? You'll find that there were some things that grew there that wouldn't have grown anywhere else. Hey, look at what grew there. I, I stopped and thought about all the things God did for him, And I didn't have to think very much about it because God sort of catalogs it. You remember as we were reading through the passage, there's this big long run-on sentence is what an English professor would call it. But it starts off this way, uh, back in verse number 2. He says, Know ye this day, for I speak not with your children, which have not known and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, His greatness, His mighty hand, and His stretched out arm, and His miracles, and His acts, which He did in the midst of Egypt, unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all his land. I'd say this, those that had lived through Egypt and had left Egypt with Moses, they'd seen God do some great things. In all the complaining and griping we might do over this past year, if we stopped and thought about it, took a little bit of inventory, you know what we might find? We might find that God did more than we're giving Him credit for. We might find out that God did more than what we reckon. And when I read this passage, I can just notice a few things. One, I see how God had preserved them. God had kept them safe and brought them out of the land of Egypt. Think of it, if they had never gone through Egypt, they would have never partook in the Passover lamb. They would have never seen the blood spread upon the lintel of their doorpost. They would have never seen God so mightily part the Red Sea and defeat the armies of Pharaoh. All these great and mighty things that God had done that He could not have done if they had been dwelling in a place of leisure and comfort. 
You know, man, looking back over this year, you with me this morning? Looking back over this year, there's a lot of stuff that I look at and you probably look at and we think, man, why does it have to be so hard? But you know, the harder that things are, the more vivid God's faithfulness is displayed in the midst of those things. If life was easy, then we wouldn't be looking to God very much. We wouldn't think we'd need Him very much. But listen, the very fact that you and I sit here today and we're whole and and we're fairly healthy, I'm careful how I say that, and we're fairly happy, and I'm careful how I say that as well, but the very fact that we sit here today in the shape that we're in is a testament to the fact that God has preserved us. I see how God had preserved them. Number two, I see how God had protected them throughout that whole time. The Bible says in verse 4, what He did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses and to their chariots, how He made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day. God, uh, Moses says, you remember how God threw down your enemies and delivered you out of their hand. I want to be careful. I, I've, I've made my mind up I'm done fussing with folks. And you say, preacher, about what? Probably about everything. I don't know. We'll have to see how I feel later. But I'm generally done fussing with folks about whatever my opinions are about this, that, and the other. Folks don't listen, so I ain't going to fuss. Amen? But uh, suffice it to say this morning that as you and I sit here today, imagine all the ways, all the ways that you and I could have been snuffed out these past years. Present on everybody's mind is the pandemic that we're living in or through or, or whatever it is. Uh, but you know, you drive around on the streets of Knoxville, it don't have, it don't take a pandemic to kill you. You walk around in this world, cancer running rampant, sickness running rampant, all various things running rampant, it wouldn't take a pandemic or anything else. It, when you realize how precarious life is, it is a miracle that we sit here today. I've often said this, that the very fact that I could drive the 12 miles from my home to here and the only thing separating me from certain death is a double yellow line and common sense is a miracle. The fact that all the myriad things that could destroy us, that could take our life, that could devastate us, and they hang about us and they live about us and exist about us day in and day out. The amazing thing is not that tragedy befalls man, but that man ever escapes tragedy. I'd say this, the fact that they was standing there at the cusp of a new land was a miracle in and of itself. God had overthrown the entire army of Egypt. You understand that Egypt was the singular military and economic power of the day. And God laid waste to them so that these people could be standing where they were. All the ways your life and mine could have fallen apart this past year. We complain because things are difficult. I do it, you do it. None of us are helped by it, but it's human nature to do so. So I guess we'll keep on doing it. So God gives us grace not to. But all the things we may complain about over this past year, think about how much worse it could have been for you and I. There are people all across this world that suffered calamity and tragedy long before the word COVID, long before the idea of a pandemic, long before the term shutdown, long before any of these things ever existed, that saw calamity fall upon their life and had to look up towards God in heaven and ask why. Yet you and I sit here whole today. What an amazing God we serve. I see how God had protected them. Then He says this in verse 5, And what He did unto you in the wilderness until you came into this place. Now that's a little verse that says a lot. But you know, I'm reminded of what the psalmist said about their time in the wilderness that God had furnished a table for them in the wilderness. And I would say this, it reminds me of how God had provided for them during their time in the wilderness. (laughs) 
how God had met every need they had. He did so miraculously. Time and time again, He sent manna from heaven. He sent quails from the ends of the earth. He sent water to spring forth from the rocks. And He caused their shoes and their clothes to not wear upon them. Uh, when they got to the end of their 40 years at the wilderness, uh, the shape they were in didn't make no sense to them except that God had miraculously provided for them. I don't know about you, but I still got more stuff than anybody probably ought to have. I don't know about you, but I, I still find myself having to eat stuff at home because it'll go bad if I don't. I'm not trying to belittle the suffering that people are going through, and I'm not, I'm certainly not trying to dismiss the economic heartache that people are going through, but I'm just, I'm saying this, that in the midst of it all, hadn't God provided for us? Hadn't He been good to us over this past year, man? I mean, listen, I, I look at my life, and when I look at the way most of the world lives, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. And how God has blessed me. God has provided for us in innumerable ways. And then notice how God had perfected them. Look at verse 6. It says this, And what He did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up in their households and their tents and all their substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. I'll go ahead and tell you, there's folks I know I wish the earth would swallow them up, but God hadn't answered that prayer yet. But I think really, <laughs> I think really, I, you know, I might be talking about you and you might be talking about me. I don't know this morning. But you know, I really think the reason God draws our attention to this is for one singular reason. God had through this removed a corrupting influence in the camp of Israel. The reason God had done this is they had, uh, they had committed insurrection, treason against the plan of God and His structure. And so that they were trying to take over the priesthood and displace Aaron and Moses. And God had opened the earth, a thing that had never been done before, and swallowed them up that it might be a testimony to the children of Israel to walk in His ways and statutes. And I think about this. I don't just think about how God preserved them and protected them and provided for them. I think this morning about how God had perfected them. They came out of the wilderness a purer people then they went into the wilderness. Listen, this may be something we got to spend a little time meditating on before we get a real good handle on it in our lives. But I bet you if you look back over this past year, you know what you'd find? You'd find there's some ways that you grew closer to God. You'd find there were some ways, some things that maybe was in your life that didn't need to be there that God wrenched from your hand through some of the things that you've been through. And I'm not just talking about pandemics or diseases, but I mean whatever calamity. I've known folks this year hadn't got COVID, but their life still fell apart. Whatever it is that you're going through, I'm saying this, God's doing all of it to bring us to a closer walk with Him. He points to the fact that despite all the sorrow and heartache they had experienced in Egypt and through the wilderness, they came out a pure, closer people to God than they had been when they lived there. And I'd say this, whatever we've been through, the land behind us, I, I'm glad I'm done with it. I'm glad you're done with it. I, we ain't never done it before, but all these all these 2020 calendars that we've got from last year, we always have some left over. We're going to meet in the, in the back parking lot and have a big bonfire and burn them all. Somebody say amen to that. I, listen, I, I'm glad to be done with it, but let us not in our haste to be done with it forget all that God's done through it. I see the land behind us, but then I notice the land before us. So God says here through Moses, it's, it's not like the land of Egypt. So what is it like? And He says two things about it. Look at verse 11. He says, but the land whither you go to possess it. He says, number one, it is a land of hills and valleys. Now what does that suggest to us? Well, I would say this this morning. They had been living in a desert land 
They certainly had gone through dips and, and through high places. And he reminds them that the land they're going into is a land of uneven terrain. Say, preacher, what's 2021 going to be like for me? Well, I'll tell you this. I don't know if anything on this calendar is going to turn out the way we said it is. I don't know that anything that you're planning on, you've got vacations planned and you've got things planned. I can't tell you that any of them are going to turn out the way that they are. But I can make this prediction. I'm not the prophet or the son of a prophet. But I will tell you this. There's going to be challenges and there's going to be blessings. You walk with God this next year. There will be challenges. There's going to be some hills. There's going to be some high places. In fact, I noticed that he mentions the hills first. There will be daunting peaks and lofty places. There's going to be obstacles that we're going to face that we have to surmount, we have to surpass. There's going to be things that, that it's a long, slow climb up that hill. There's going to be some things you're going to have to contend with, some things you're going to have to trust God with, some things that you're going to come into that if God doesn't move it, it won't change. But you know the funny thing about that, we all want to be on a mountaintop. I'm this way. I, I, I was thinking the other day, I was laying in bed. My brother, he loves to go hiking. And you pray for him. And, uh, but I was thinking the other day, he was talking about hiking Mount Leconte. And I thought to myself, man, I'd love, I'd love to hike Mount Leconte. You know what I'm talking about up there in the Smokies? And I thought, well, no, I don't really want to hike Mount Leconte. I just kind of want to see Mount Leconte. <laughs> and I thought, you know, maybe somebody carry me up Mount Leconte. <laughs> And then I thought, you know, it's liable to be cold and take a long time. I'll just Google it. <laughs> we all want to be on the high places. We all want to be on the mountaintops. But we don't want to hoof it up the mountain. I'm telling you this. There's going to be some obstacles you're going to face this next year. Some things that right now, if, if 2020 has taught me anything, you know what it's taught me? It's taught me that I don't know nothing. It's taught me that the things that I would say this will never happen are likely to happen. And I do not know what you'll face, but I promise you there'll be some obstacles that God's going to have to help you with, that you're going to have to climb up. But you know what you'll find? If you will trust God, walk with God, not run from it. Instead, just trust God with it. You'll find yourself standing at that lofty mountain peak. You'll find yourself at the place of victory. So I see there's some daunting peaks and lofty places. But then I notice there are some declining paths and lowly places. He says not just hills, but there's going to be valleys too. You know what I have found? I found that the air is the sweetest at the top of the mountain, but the earth's the richest in the bottom of the valley. There's going to be some hard times you're probably going to go through. If this year is like any other year, I was talking to my wife the other day, and please don't think what I'm saying is trying to be uh, dismissive of any, anybody's sickness or illness or anything that's going through, but we're talking about it's a sick time right now. It's cold and flu season, everything that people are going through. And uh, my wife, she's smarter than me. She made the comment. She said, you remember about two, three years ago, they had to shut down Knox County schools because the flu was so rampant. And uh, she pointed that out merely to say this, we're at a hard time right now. Uh, but you know, we've been at hard times before. I'm not saying, are you with me this one? Go ahead and get mad at me. Go ahead. I'm just telling you, we're at a hard time now. I know we are in our society. But guess what? We've been in a hard time before. You know what we have a tendency to do? We forget every other valley when we're in the valley. We forget everything else we've been through when we're going through something. I know. I do too. It's human nature. I ain't fussing at you. I'm just pointing it out. Can I say this? You've been through valleys before. You're going to go through valleys again. But you know, you'll find that as you pass through that valley, the same God that was with you in the valley before will be with you in the valley again. And you'll find that the richest soil the most fruitful dirt, 
the most fruitful place to be is down in the valley. You know, part of the problem is we spend so much time trying to claw our way out of the valley that we never plant anything there. We never grow through it. We never see God do things through it. You know why? Because we're more focused on getting out of the valley than getting something out of the valley. And I'm saying we're going to go through some valleys in this next year. I don't know what they'll be. It may be financial. It may be uh, physical. You know, health-wise. It may be emotional, spiritual. I don't know. But I do know this. If 2021 is anything like, not just 2020, if it's like 2019 and 18 and 17 and every other single one that I've walked on this earth, there's going to be high times and low times. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be valleys. There's going to be challenges. Don't think just because we flip the calendar over. You know, it's like your birthday. You remember, you remember being young and you're so excited about your birthday. And then it dawned on you one day that it's really not a birthday. It's a death day. Because everyone that comes by, you're just that much closer to death. And it, it quit being fun. <laughs> and uh, I remember, I still remember the first time anybody, that, that, that I ever gave this answer. Somebody asked me. My birthday was the day before. And they asked. They said, how was your birthday? And I knew I was grown up when I answered this way. I said, just like any other day. Not because people didn't love on me and give me gifts and stuff. I mean, if you want to feel bad for me, give me gifts, that's fine. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we, you recognize that, listen, I'm, I'm 33 years old. I, on my birthday, you know what I was? I was 33 years old. You know what I was the next day? 33 plus one day. You know what I was the day after? 33 plus two days. I'm saying we recognize succinctly with our birthday, the calendar don't change nothing. But then somehow as we approach this time of year, we think the calendar is going to change something. But the truth is, there were battles this past year. They may have been battles we had never fought. They may have been hills we had never climbed and valleys we had never, uh, you know, transversed. But, but there were hills and valleys. And guess what? In this next year, there's going to be some hills and valleys too, just like there has always been. So he says, the Lord says here, that it is a place of uneven train. But I love what he says next. Look at the next phrase. He says, this is the thing about those places of hills and valleys. He says they drink water of the rain of heaven. I love that. You know why I love that? Because they'd just come out of the wilderness. They'd come out of a dry season in their life. And God says, you're coming to a place, there will be hills, there will be valleys, there will be hard times, there will be good times. But you know what you'll find? It's a place where God can pour rain from heaven and grow and produce and yield great crops. I see a heavenly resource here. God says, I'm going to put rain where it needs to be. And the, the, the land you're going into is situated such that I can produce great things through it. You know, that was true of this past year. To whatever degree we allowed God to do great things, I don't know. But I will tell you this, this next year, God permits us to live all of it. You know what we'll find? We'll find another opportunity to see God do great things. Do you know what I find here? I see a, a heavenly resource, but I also see a human responsibility. It drinks the rain of heaven. Let me give you an example of this. You remember God created a garden. We know it from the Bible as the Garden of Eden, but the Bible says God planted a, a garden and He put man in it. And then after the fall, Adam was commanded to tend that garden. You know what you'll find? That even all the best rain, uh, all of the best sunlight, all of the best soil will only produce a weed patch if somebody doesn't tend it. <laughs> Me and my wife have learned this painfully. We grow a garden every year, and uh, we don't always work a garden every year, but we grow a garden every year. And uh, this past year, we knew it was going to be a bit of a crazy year, and, and we had a lot of busy things going on in our life. And, 
And, you know, suffice it to say, we went out there, we planted the garden, we got everything right, it was clean as a pen, all the rows were just right, and we had everything laid out, and we walked away and never looked at it again. And uh, it didn't take long, and the weeds overtook everything. Had all the rain, had all the sunlight. In fact, you probably had a little too much about how quickly those weeds grew. The truth is, nothing in your life will ever produce unless you'll get in there and work the ground that it grows in. This next year, you know how much we'll get out of this next year? However much we put into it. If we want to sit around and gripe, moan, and complain, and, and pretend like God done fell off of His throne, we probably won't get much out of this next year. But if instead we'll look at it and say, you know, God's given the rain from heaven. He's given everything we need for this next year to be lived for His glory, for His honor. And I will put my hand to the plow and commit myself to the task. We'll find that God can do a great thing in our lives. So I, I, when I read this passage of Scripture, I, I see the land before us. It's a land of uneven terrain, but it's also a land of abundant rain before us. But then I notice really, really what I think God wants to draw our focus on is verse 12. Here's what He says about this land. He says, It is a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are, are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. You know, as we approach and we have this land behind us, we have this land before us, you know what's really going to make a difference is the Lord above us. It's going to be God in the midst of our life that's going to make the difference in what this year holds. I notice that because God is interested in the land of Canaan, it makes it a land of a few things. One, I notice it's a land of God's providence. Notice he says this, it's a land which the Lord thy God careth for. Now what does that mean, He careth for? It doesn't just mean He has a vested interest in its, in its destiny and in its condition, but it literally means that God would tend the land that they were living in. Can I tell you this? We can expect that God's providence will reign over this next year. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I believe man has a choice in everything that he does, except to pay taxes, amen? But other than that, <laughs> or to get fat, <laughs> amen? Well, so I, I'm, I'm going to go there. But suffice it to say, I believe man has free choice, and I'm not saying otherwise. I believe man has absolute free will in every area of life, and I believe God expects and respects the free will of mankind to make choices. But I also believe that no choice you or I make could ever surprise God. And I believe that this next year, I don't know what it may hold. But God knows everything that it holds. He careth for it. There's nothing that has surprised God this past year. There's a lot that has surprised me. I've lived in a constant state of surprise. You want to know what it looked like if you threw me a surprise party? Just look at me at any given time in 2001. Any picture that's took. If I'm asleep, I'm asleep like this with my eyes about as open as they can be and still be closed. I've been surprised by everything this past year. But it's amazing to me to think that God has not been surprised by any of it. Before this world was ever formed, God knew the word that would come out of my mouth next. He's going to reign providentially over this next year just as He has over every other year, including the year that we're also ready to get rid of. God reigns supreme over it as well. Nothing man did surprised God this past year. So I see it's a land of God's providence. But then it says this, it's a land that the Lord thy God, His eyes are always upon. It's a land of God's perception. Whatever valleys you may go through this year, they'll never be deep enough that God loses sight of you. One of the great challenges over this past year has been the isolation. 
God did not create mankind to live in isolation. Man is more interested in isolation than God is. God created man, created him alone, said it's not good for him to be alone. I don't know what Adam was doing that was causing that to happen. I can imagine that he might have been setting some things on fire, trying to blow something up. God looked down from heaven and said, we've got to get this boy a wife. He's going to kill himself. God said, it's not good for this man to be alone. And so he created Eve and gave him a help me. God knows that man doesn't thrive in isolation. It's not healthy for us. It's not how God designed us to be. We sometimes need it, but really even the isolation that we need is not isolation. It's separation from the world unto God. It's not isolation in and of itself. One of the great challenges this past year has been the isolation. My heart is broken, especially for those that are in assisted living, places like that, where they're for all practical intents and purposes prisoners. They can't get out. They can't go out and do things. And they've really, they've really struggled under the burden of that isolation. But you know, for the child of God, we can recognize that in those times when we feel like no one sees, no one knows, God always sees and God always knows. What was it that Hagar learned there by the invisible fountain that God had to open her eyes to see? She said, is this God which looketh after me? And named it Be'er Lehoroi, named it the place of the God that sees, the well of God's seeing and God's vision. You know what she learned? Here she is, just a broken, messed up, displaced, little Egyptian handmaid that's been thrown out of the house by her masters. And she learned that the God of heaven was looking at her and was watching what she was going through. Hey, what do we learn from the New Testament when Christ says that not a sparrow falls from heaven, but your heavenly Father takes note of it? So why would we think that God, we ever, ever escape God's sight and God's vision? It's a land of God's perception, but then I notice it's a land of God's persistence. It says from the beginning of the year unto the end of the year. That don't leave no room. I'd, I'd expect that even includes leap days. Amen? That, that includes everything. In other words, God has been just as good this past December as He was last January. And every point in between. We can anticipate and we can trust that God will be just as good in our lives by this following December as He is at this very moment. doesn't mean calamity won't befall you. doesn't mean problems won't happen. You'll have your shares of hills. You'll have your shares of valleys. But in every one of them, God will be present. God will be persistent. God will be providential. So the question that exists is not whether God will do His part this next year. The question is whether we'll love Him and serve Him and walk with Him and do our part this year. Can I tell you what I'm most ashamed of this past year is I've probably not let God get all out of it uh, that He should have. I'm just being honest with you. If I if I look back over this past year, there's a lot of stuff that folks probably want me to be embarrassed about that I ain't and uh, want me to apologize for that I don't. But when I look back over this year, the thing that I'm most ashamed of is to think how much more God could have done if I would have just kept my eyes on Him. How much more God could have done if I would have just walked closer to Him. I don't want to say that in December of next year, or of this year, or January of next year. I want to be able to say that whatever came this past year, I stayed close to God, and I let God get the victory, and I let God bear fruit in my life. Let's bow together this morning. I think it would be a good time this morning to find a place at this altar and commit this next year to the Lord. All sorts of resolutions, commitments, decisions you'll be making. But I wonder if you've yet committed this year to God. I don't think God is bothered by you trying to keep the house cleaner or go to the gym or 
do something else. But I do believe he'd be bothered if in all of those preparations and commitments, we didn't make sure that we had committed these next 12 months to him. Say, Lord, I want you to have your will and your way in my life. Won't you find a place at this altar if God gives you liberty? Why don't you do that this morning? Father, bless this invitation.